Thank you for tuning in to The Balancing Fact. I'm Angela Calais. I have been a full-time realtor for the past 16 years. With three kids running a real estate brokerage, I work to dispel the myth that you cannot have a work-life balance when working in real estate. That balance looks different for everybody. Today, my guest is Lori Muller. Lori is the owner of Exit Elite Realty with three locations in Wisconsin and was appointed the Vice President of Exit Realty Corp International's U.S. Division in 2020. Lori has served the Women's Council of Realtors in a leadership capacity both locally and nationally. She has presented on the stage at the Women's Council National Meetings as well as the Exit Realty Corp International Annual Convention, Master Broker Summit, Broker Webinars, and the Leadership Podcast. Lori's also a John Maxwell Certified Coach, Trainer, and Speaker, has been a panelist for Women Up, been featured in Success Magazine, Inman News, and Riz Media, and is active in training and coaching across North America. She serves on the board at her local association and several state committees, along with the professional standards and the idea exchange for brokers at the National Association of Realtors. In 2009, Lori became a certified behavioral consultant with the Dr. Robert Rome's DISC personality profiles and teaches classes for understanding personality types as they pertain to conflict resolution, marriage, selling styles, and children. But Lori still enjoys spending time with her husband and three kids. She loves to garden, do DIY projects, and listen to live music. She's passionate about watching the success of others and seeing them grow and develop right before her eyes. Wow. What an honor to have the opportunity to talk with Lori today. Let's get right into it. Hi, Lori. Hi, Angela. How are you? Good. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to share with us your story and your experiences. I think that there's a lot of realtor moms out there who could have a lot to learn from you. We have to band together, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you know, it's funny because when I when I, I've been thinking about doing this podcast for years, and it's usually because when I'm talking to people about the challenges that we have as realtors and balancing home life and work life, we have unique challenges that not not to downplay what every family goes through, whatever their profession is, but we do have unique challenges. So I think there is definitely um, things that we can help each other with that maybe we can't find outside of our industry. For sure. I mean, part of the reason why is because our schedules never set, right? Yeah. It's always an alteration or a revision or something that pops up that we have to pivot maneuver and change everything. And our family's the last one that gets the, they don't reap the reward from that necessarily. And so right. we have to make sure that we're cognizant of the things that we promise to our family members, especially mm -hmm. our children. Yeah. Um, so I've learned over the years to never say a specific date, like, hey, we're going to mm -hmm. do this on th this date. It's, hey, we're going to do something on this week or this month or this quarter mm -hmm. and help them plan things out so that it, I'm not letting them down. Yeah. How? So you have three kids. Mm -hmm. And when you started in real estate, you were transitioning your life personally as well. Right. When I, when I got into real estate, I, um, I was working in corporate America. I was going through a divorce and I had an 18 month old. Wow. So I was, it was a do or die. You needed, I needed to make real estate a go. Mm -hmm. um, I had saved enough money where I had that cushion in my bank account for six months. So I gave myself six months to really make it a full-time career. So I went all in both feet mm -hmm. off the ground right away. 
What made you choose real estate? Um, I've always been in a sales type position and everyone kept saying to me, you need to look at real estate. You need to look at real estate kind of where 90% of realtors probably got into the business because somebody told them that they would be good at it. And okay. I had, I had never thought of it. I'd never thought of real estate at all. I come from a background. I did door-to-door um, -door sales for 10, almost 10 years. And I traveled all over the country knocking on residential and commercial doors, selling a concentrated cleaner door-to-door. -door. Get out. Yeah. So I traveled. Um, I left uh, Wisconsin in 1991 and, or 1990, and I came back in 1999. Okay. So you, when you were going through that transition and trying to figure out how it works, um, did you have an idea of what what your life would look like as a realtor? Was there some type of misconception that once you got into it, you're like, oh, so it's not actually like that? Well, I knew going in that any sales position, you're going to get out of it what you put into it. And yeah. coming from corporate America, I was a salaried employee. You're, you're only getting your salary no matter how many hours you work or if you're traveling or doing whatever. And so I'm like, if I'm going to commit myself and help a company grow, why wouldn't I do it for my own company? Mm. Why wouldn't I create my own legacy for my daughter? Mm. I think it's interesting that you mentioned that because um, – I, my husband always says to me, well, you, this is something you can leave to the kids. And I'm thinking, I don't know that I've set, <laughs> like, I've set a really great example of the great things that come from this job. You know what I mean? They see me, um, uh, you know, working all the time, working at strange hours, taking calls when I really wish I didn't have to take that call. And I'm thinking, what makes you think that they want to take over this for me someday? And it, it may not be that they want to take over your real estate business, but they're going to have an entrepreneurial spirit because they see yeah. it on a day-to-day -day basis. So maybe they maybe they were going to be a vet and that's what they want to do. But now they're like, hey, I want to own my own veterinary right. shop. Or maybe I wanted to go into finance. Well, maybe I want to own my own mortgage brokerage. Mm -hmm. So it, they see that entrepreneurial business owner type mentality versus being an employee. And when you get off, you know, Robert Kiyosaki's book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, when you when you shift from the employee side of the quadrant, because um, you have the employee and the self-employed, right? So mm -hmm. even though we're self-employed, we're still an employee because we have to hold ourselves accountable right. to when you switch to a business owner or an investor where you're truly building wealth, that's where that shift happens. And mm -hmm. we're teaching them that without without them even realizing it. Right, right. So you were you were growing your business. You had more children. So your your kids now are eight. How old are your kids? The youngest is going to be nine in May. Okay. And she's a girl. And then my middle is a boy and he's going to be 11 in July. And then my oldest is a girl and she's 20 and she now lives in Tampa. She's going to college and she's going to be taking her license for real estate down in Florida. She just oh, finished wow. her school. Wow. So you really set, you, you set the bar and you set an example that makes her think I want to be like mom. Hey. Yeah. Well, I don't know if she necessarily wants to be like mom, but she sees that <laughs> she sees that the income is there if you put the work in and yeah. she doesn't want to work for somebody all mm -hmm. those hours where she can work for herself. So it's the entrepreneurial mentality that I think rubbed off on Dakota more so than real estate as a whole. Sure. Um, I know she helps me in the brokerage. She actually works remote for me and she does our social media oh. and some administrative stuff. And so she's seen the backside of it too. Mm. And I don't know if she necessarily wants to ever own a real estate brokerage, 
but I think she'll probably always maintain a license. Sure. Uh, very cool. So when you were building your business, you must have had to have a support system in place. Yeah. When I first got into the business, had it not been for my, my mom and stepdad, I would have not been able to do the hours because <clears throat> my ex-husband at the time was not very, and I'm sure there's a lot of divorced uh, agents that have went through this. He wasn't very reliable. So I would mm -hmm. try to plan every other weekend for open houses and for showings and try to be home on the weekends that I had Dakota, mm -hmm. but he would end up not showing up on the weekends that he was supposed to get her. Mm -hmm. So then I would have to rely on my step, my stepdad and my mom. Um, and we lived about a mile and a half apart. I built a house out by where they were to have that uh, close relationship. Mm. So that ended up really working out my first three years in the business because they really helped me raise her. Yeah. That's so important. You know, when you were um, looking to get into real estate, was there anything that you think um, was not what you had anticipated, a surprise or something that made you think, I definitely, this isn't the thing for me, or maybe, or you knew whatever you were going to be doing, it was going to be long hours. You're going to be working hard no matter what field you were in. And I knew the work, like? the work ethic side of it was going to take place. Um, mm -hmm. So I knew that was going to be one of the criterias per se, but I thought that I would get more support from the brokerage than I did. Mm. I thought there would be more help. So when I got in, I got in the business in 2003 and I started at an independent and it was, uh, you got your license. I walked in the day I got my license. Here's your, here's your desk and here's your phone and here's the phone book. So we still mm -hmm. had the books um, yeah. and we were just phasing out of the MLS books. So he still did have some MLS books in the office. Oh, wow. Um, so I was there, I started in September and um, by December I had did just shy of 50,000 in, in uh, revenue. Wow. Added to me. So I did decent my first quarter and plus. Yeah. And so um, I had landed a builder. The builder actually was with the independent broker and that was his client. And I did an open house for him. And at that open house, I didn't sell the house, but I sold four contracts at that open house. <laughs> and so I called the builder after the open house and I'm like, I'm so sorry to tell you this, but I didn't sell the house. And he's like, well, that's okay. We, you know, that usually doesn't happen. Sure. I said, but we had a lot of traffic and I have four potential clients to do contracts with. And all four ended up signing um, to do custom builds with that builder. Wow. And so that was the flip the switch moment for me where that yeah. the builder pulled me and uh, away from that, that independent broker and said, okay, you, you got something here. I want you to represent my homes and I want you to move from this independent. And I ended up going over to a different uh, franchise brand. Wow. Very cool. Um, as your business grew and transformed, was there anybody that you could rely on for advice or somebody you looked up to, a role model, um, something that when you needed it, you knew you could get some more help? <laughs> I don't think that there's enough help for women in this industry. Mm. Um, because you can't have certain conversations with a man in regards to what we're juggling on a daily basis. And, um, and we're doing a lot of multitasking, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, a ton of multitasking, a ton of uh, schedule shifts and, and things like that. Um, 
I got involved with the Women's Council of Realtors, which helped me have that tribe that I could ask questions to. Mm -hmm. um, but I didn't get involved with them until I became a broker. So while mm -hmm. I was an agent, it really was, um, you're kind of on your own. Um, yeah. I, I got a lot of designations. I did a lot okay. of education when education. I was an agent. Yep. So I was, um, I got my GRI, my CRS and my um, EPRO, e e my SFR. Um, mm -hmm. I went and got um, uh, the uh, senior designation. So mm -hmm. I got a bunch of designations when I was an agent. Um, and then I started a team. And when I started a team, then I I was the leader. So then mm -hmm. I was um, constantly reminding myself because as the teacher, you're reminding yourself as you teach, right? Mm -hmm. And so I was holding myself accountable through growing that team. So did you find that starting a team was your goal to try to just grow your business um, financially? Or was it to try to um, change the way you prioritize how you were spending your time? Or what was the mentality there and what drove you to do that? What I When I decided to start a team, the first person I hired was an admin. So I wanted to get the B and C tasks off my plate mm -hmm. so I could really be out talking to people. That's what I'm good at is talking to people. Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily enjoy sitting behind a computer screen and doing paperwork all day long. Mm -hmm. um, I like the negotiations. I like the adrenaline rush you get from landing the listing. Um, I like working with first-time homebuyers. I liked it all. Mm -hmm. um, I like the vision of painting the picture for people building because nobody, I mean, people have a hard time visualizing what a floor plan is going to look like, right? Or mm -hmm. how to pick things out. So I like being able to paint that picture for them. Mm -hmm. When I got to the point where I was working so many hours, I knew I could put, you know, putting a lockbox on a property or getting the photos taken or uploading stuff into the MLS or doing follow-up reports for the sellers every week. All of that stuff could be done by somebody else instead of me. And so that first pivotal position was an admin. And then from there, once I had that admin secured and trained, then I hired my first buyer's agent. And so that took the buyer side of the transactions off of me. And it really was an educational process to let the seller know, hey, I'm listing your house, but when yeah. you guys now sell and go to buy, you're going to be working with you know, whoever it was at the time. Mm -hmm. you know, I think my first buyer's agent's name was Sharon. She's no longer with us. She passed away. But so, you know, you're going to be working with Sharon. So I'd bring Sharon in on the listing appointments. Mm. They'd meet Sharon at the listing appointment and know she was the person that they were going to be going to start to look at houses with. That's a great idea. That because that is a very difficult transition. I did the same thing. Um, Oh, six or seven years ago, um, I brought on uh, a buyer's agent and I was really on the fence because, um, you know, I think we have similar personalities and wanting to be in control and being the one who kind of drives the situation. And you're having to work with somebody that you have to have total faith and trust that is going to represent your clients in the way that you would. Mm -hmm. But I was so afraid of alienating my clients or losing that relationship or having them say, oh, so you're good enough to list my house, but you're not good enough to work with me. And, you know, so um, I really struggled with that um, quite a bit. But I love the idea. It's all on the presentation. Yeah. How you present it to them, how you spin it. So it's a win for them, right? Because everybody know, wants to know what's in it for me. So you yeah. got to spin it in. It's a service. I can't provide you exceptional service, which is my goal if I'm doing everything. Yeah. So I'm I'm focused on the sales side of your house and the marketing. 
because I'm going to be marketing the property. And then on the buying side, you know, you're going to be working with Sharon, but I'll still be involved in the negotiations. So, because mm-hmm. that's what I would get the contention a lot of times is, well, we want you to be our, our bird dog. We want you to be our, mm-hmm. our hunter when it comes to the negotiations, because we know that you're going to be, you know, Johnny on the spot. Mm-hmm. And so I would always explain to them when I would introduce them to Sharon that I've trained Sharon. Sharon operates the same way I do. I'm involved throughout the whole transaction. It's just behind the scenes more so than it is in front showing the properties. Mm-hmm. So, so when you were able to bring Sharon on and in the future, you know, maybe additional buyers agents, um, ideally that is to allow you more time to focus on other business building tasks. How did you find yourself reallocating that time you would have been spent on showings? Were you now just allowing yourself more free time to, you know, do other things that you wanted to do? Or were you using that time now to focus on something else that was going to build you in a different way? Um, I ended up getting involved in a couple of different things. One, I ended up when I when I stopped my team and went from operating a team to opening a brokerage, I ended up having around nine buyers agents and a staff person. Wow. So what ended up happening after my first buyer's agent is my inventory grew because I was out doing more listing appointments. Mm. And then I went from having one builder to having four builders. And then I went ha- from having four builders to three developers. So I had three developers I was working with. So I was doing a lot of new uh, land development and, mm-hmm. and, and starting subdivisions. And then I was working on the builder side as well. So I had all of those things. And then I was getting involved in like going to the town meetings for, mm-hmm. you know, so we would know what's going on in the municipalities and, and getting involved on that side of it too. So I learned a lot on the building side, not just on the sales component part of it, but mm-hmm. also the expert expediting of, uh, you know, from from uh, excavating all the way to finished product uh, with schedules and then with working with the municipalities for developing the subdivisions. Mm-hmm. Um, a, the goal originally was is to have more of a work-life balance, but because of my personality style, I'm more work. So I'm like, okay, if I mm-hmm. open up this time slot, I just want to grow my, grow my business, grow my brand. Yeah. So was there ever a time um, as your business grew where you thought this, this is an opportunity for me to really have a conversation with my family, have a conversation with my kids, or was this kind of like an organic, they see it as it comes, you explain things as things are happening. This is why I'm going to be gone tonight. This is why I have to take this phone call. Or was there a time where it's like, let's sit down and explain what's happening with mom's career and what this is going to look like for our family. So um, when I still had my team, it was still just Dakota and I. Um, So she would come to open houses with me. She would come Mm. on showings with me um, because we were still spending time together. So we, I did that balance with that. And I just explained to clients, Hey, you know what? It was her dad's weekend. He didn't show up. I don't have a sitter. You know, she's just going to be shadowing with me. Um, She would hand out spec sheets at open houses. (laughs) I mean, she, she was involved with the business, but what we would do is sit down on, it was just her and I and plan out four vacations a year. So every quarter Mm -hmm. I would take a week off to spend time with her. And it could sometimes be where we didn't go somewhere, but we took a week off at home. Mm. You know, so I would be at home every day when she got off of school. So I didn't yeah. necessarily take her out of school, but I was home. We had dinner together. We did stuff. Um, we would go on trips. It was it was more of the experience, how I can bring experiences to her life and memories and create memories versus monetary type right. situations. Yeah. And and priorities are, I think, pivotal and and not just how much time am I going to have my kids because you could be a stay at home mom and never interact with your kids at all. Right. right. The quality, but it's about the quality time. Yeah. 
Yep. Yeah. 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 So then um, when I got out of really, when I first, so I, in 2007, right before the market crashed, mm -hmm. I could see the shift happening with my developers and with my builders and, and mm -hmm. how that was changing and being all in on that side of the market was devastating. Um, so that is in 2007 is actually when I opened up my first franchise. Wow. So I, I opened up in, uh, we, I bought in May of 2007 and we opened the first exit franchise in September of 2007. And who I opened the franchise with was another local realtor um, in, in a community north of myself. And we were introduced through a group of realtor. We worked for the same brand at one point in time and then he went independent. And then we, uh, a lender put us together because he knew I wanted to do something and he knew that Greg wanted to do something. Well, Greg mm -hmm. now was my husband. <laughs> Oh, get so, out. Yeah. So um, so when we first started looking at franchises, we were just business partners. Get out. So he understands. He gets it. He gets it. He is in it day to day, but he's on a different side of the business. Okay. He's been an REO agent since 1998. Oh, he wow. He has done nothing but REO properties. So he, his business is secular, right? Yeah. His REOs is up and down. So when my business really tanked in 08, 09, and 10, oh. his business was through the roof. So I ended up becoming, not only did we have the brokerages, but then I ended up helping him with a lot of the administrative side in the system side of his business because his business had taken off. Wow. So how many offices do you have now? We currently have three. Oh, wow. Okay. So, um, that is probably a hard thing to do unless you have the right support team because mm -hmm. being in three places at the same time and getting the same amount of attention to the agents, it's like balancing kids, right? Mm -hmm. You want to make sure you're giving them all the same quality time. Mm -hmm. um, and so Zoom has actually helped a lot with that because now I can reach more people at, at one point in time. Yeah. So because we're at different locations, I now stop doing two meetings a week to having just the one meeting in the remote offices they jump on. Yep. Got so, to adapt. Yep. So that has helped a lot. It's It's been a time saver for me. So even mm -hmm. though I'm in front of a camera a lot and I'm talking to a screen, mm -hmm. um, I'm still able to impact and influence more people. Yeah. And isn't it amazing how much time you save just not driving somewhere? Yeah. It's, a, it's, it's, it, it puts more time back into my family. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. I totally agree. I've transitioned things that normally I would have been scared to, even knowing that the technology was there, the ability was there. People have now over the last year just become more comfortable. I feel like people you never thought of would, would do something via video or zoom or whatever. Now it's just like, Oh yeah, I do that all day long. No problem. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yes. Thank yeah. you. It's wonderful. Cause it work. it does work out better for, I think most people. And it'll you be still get that. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what happens to the event business, yeah. you know, the conferences and the events and things like that. Is it ever going to be uh, back to the way it was, or is there always going to be this hybrid of, you know, you know, live, but we're going to remote it too. Right. And if you come live, it's this price. And if you come remote, it's this price or it's, so I'm curious to see how all that transpires. Yeah. I think it would come when it comes to events. I still, um, that's part of how I find my balance is taking the time to go to convention yes. is my time that I can like totally focus in, get stuff done. I'm not one at in the evenings of convention to go out and party it up and then get to class really early in the morning. I go back to my room and I implement what I learned that day because that's my time that I just took away from my family to go all in. Yeah, And I don't have to shut it down at a certain time. I can just work it right away while it's fresh in my mind. I love that. 
Yeah. And you can focus on yourself, right? It's like yeah. a recharge, you know, con conferences to me, especially depending on who you surround yourself with at the conference are about recharging yourself. And then because you're recharging yourself, you're automatically exuding that out to others. Yep. So you're helping others recharge as well. Yeah, that's so true. And that's in not only just conferences too, but I mean, yeah, you're going to reflect the people that you surround yourself with for sure, yeah. whether you know it or not. Yeah, any networking yeah. event. So that's yeah. probably one thing. I'm not a big personality that is a big hugger or anything like that. Sure. But I can I can definitely tell that being virtual for as long as we have that, you do miss that interaction face-to-face. -face. Yeah, yeah. It's, no, it's no been difficult because now when I do see people in person, I, 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 I stop and I think, yeah. am I supposed to do this? How is it going to make them feel? It's, it, we'll see how long it takes to get out yeah. of that awkward. Do I, yeah, do I chicken wing them or, yeah. You know? Oh my gosh. That is so, I did that once and I'm like, okay, this is weird. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's, it's a lot different. It's yeah. a lot different. I, I'd rather hug or I miss my firm handshakes. I, now I don't know because people are kind of working on getting out of the handshakes and getting, we're totally getting off topic, but some people want it, some people don't. And so now I feel um, kind of, am I going to make them uncomfortable? And then I decided, you know what, I'm going to go for the handshake. If they deny me, they deny me. But that's just yeah. who I am. Because so now what, I'm afraid I'm in the habit of not shaking people's hands. That's not yeah, good either. You don't want to be rude. The right. one thing I can tell, though, is with the mask situation is looking people in the eye. Like I'm a very big eye looker. Mm -hmm. and, and looking people in the eye. And now you can tell the people who are more standoffish or intimidated by that. Mm. they look down and yeah. you can really tell because all you see is right no that's a good point you're you're good at reading people I feel like <laughs> <laughs> you have to win sales right you gotta know yeah. where you gotta pivot yeah for sure so have there ever been any um books that you followed or you must have with as busy as your schedule is some type of routine to kind of keep things in line keep some type of something steady yeah, I um I re read the uh the Miracle Morning by mm. Hal Elrod uh, probably three or four years ago. Maybe it's four years now, yeah. and that was uh, that was that was a game changer for me right. because um you know you can get sucked into social media so quick. So it used to be my routine was I'd get up in the morning, I'd look at my email, and I look at my social media, and then all of a sudden you look and you're like, holy crap, there's an hour gone. Yeah, you know, done. Mm -hmm. Where did it go? Um, and so. Uh, that book has savers. It's 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 silence. It's affirmations. It's visualization. It's exercise. It's reading and it's scribing. Mm -hmm. And if you read 15 minutes a day, you're going to get about 13 books done in a year. I've excelled past that with doing the exercise in the morning. Now wow. I've I've also got more routine with exercise. The mm -hmm. reading has improved. Journaling. So scribing is journaling. I have a ton of journals now. So all these ideas that you have. Mm -hmm. I was always one that had a, a journal by my book and I'd wake up at three o'clock in the morning. My brain wouldn't shut off and I'd start writing stuff down. Yeah. Um, so now I try to do that before I go to bed. So I do have a routine in the morning and I do have kind of a little routine at night that I do. Mm -hmm. Do you do affirmations at all? Every day. Yeah. Yeah. Affirmations every day. There's yeah. an app called Prompter. Okay. Um, uh, P-R-O-M-P-T-E-R, which will generate you, especially for salespeople, it's designed for salespeople. Mm -hmm. It'll generate you um, 13 affirmations and then you write them for 21 days, snap a picture of it, and then it gives you another set of affirmations. And oh it continues gosh. to do that and you get badges and do all this stuff. It's a free app. It's pretty cool. Do you and, do that in the morning? Yeah, I do that in the morning and then I add my own 
um, to it. So I have okay. my own affirmations that are geared towards what my goals are for this year. Okay. When we, we spoke last week or you, you had mentioned you had goals for a certain quarter. So next quarter you have a goal for, so is that kind of how you divide your year up is in quarters? Yeah. And I try to do the, the agents to do the same thing because if you meet with your agents in October or November and do business planning for the following year and never touch back with them, mm -hmm. you're not helping them get to that goal. Right. Yeah. So I do quarterly and then six re six week reviews. So okay. I'll do a, every quarter. I just did the analysis for our, our last quarter um, in the meeting today for our agents, but um, I'll do quarterly and then I'll do a Friday every six weeks where I do reflection on the family, on me personally, because, you know, we're the, as women, we neglect ourselves. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we don't, we don't uh, invest the time. Um, and then for the business. And so I look back and say, okay, what, what could I have improved on? What am I doing great at? Mm -hmm. What am I doing good at, which means I have room for improvement and what do I need to work on, yeah. right? And if we do that self-reflection on our business and on ourselves and on our family, all we're going to do is continue to improve. Right. So and this is, kind of, this is what you actually, you write this down every I write quarter. It, every, yeah. I write it down. Yep. Yeah. So I have it and then I can go back and, and look at it. Yeah. And I can say, okay, in 2017, it's kind of like vision boards. We do vision boards every year with our yeah. agents. And it's, it's funny because I'm like, oh, I don't have to, I don't have to do a new vision board this year. I can take these 10 pictures off because these I accomplished and yeah. I can add these next two, 10 things on and leave the things on that I didn't get done. Yeah. So, and I've also taught the agents to, to X out during the year on their vision boards and then they get excited because they bring their old vision board and then they bring yes. their new one in. Oh, that's so a great idea. It's having that visualization mm -hmm. to know because we look back sometimes and reflect and say, I didn't, I, I don't feel like I got anything done, mm -hmm. you know, but in reality, because we're constantly doing something, we don't see the big picture mm -hmm. and, and especially like different personality styles. Like there's, there's the I personality, which is you're inspiring and they're fun and they, they're the life of the party and, but they have a hard time and they're the hardest personality style with COVID and being shut down because they mm -hmm. interact and they thrive by being around people. So to keep them in check, it's if you give them those little rewards throughout the year of knowing that there's they're on track and they've excelled or, mm -hmm. hey, this is what I can do to help you. That's going to that's going to enroot them into your culture, number one, but it's also going to give them this big picture, which they sometimes don't see. Mm hmm. Yeah, I have my, uh, we recently just moved our office and I didn't have a space for my vision board in the new office. So I made it my screensaver uh, or oh, my, awesome. my backdrop, my wallpaper on my, yeah. my two big monitors. So it's like two times in my face all day long. But you're right. Mine really didn't change from last year either. I have, I, it's almost like I have the same goals that I want to take to just another level. Mm -hmm. And I changed kind of my action word of the um, you know, my word of the year. Yeah. Your one word. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. my one word for this year is empower. I want to be able to empower as many people as I can. Love it. I think that you're empowering anybody who's taking the time to listen to this. So I really appreciate that. I know that you also, um, um, as far as realtors go, um, you shared with me a statistic from the National Association of Realtors. And you had said that 57% um, of the 1.4 million realtor members are women, yet 9% own or manage their own brokerages. Yes, it's a sad, sad statistic. But 
I think, I think that if we empower enough women to really know they we're so hard on ourselves, we're our worst critics. Mm -hmm. And if we can build the confidence in other women to know that they can do it. You mm -hmm. know, I remember when we first, when my husband and I first went in, in, um, we went and did our business plan and we took out a loan to do the business together and things like that. And I had went to the bank cause I'm the president. He's the vice president of the, of the, of the corporation. And they asked me where my husband was. And I'm, I'm like, I'm not married. My husband's Ooh. not part of this. Mm -hmm. You're, you're going to deal with me, you know? So things like that I've dealt with, I've dealt with um, coming into a, a market where there were no women brokers. And one of the male brokers says, when in Rome, do as the Romans do, you know, I mean, comments like that, you, you just, it's, it's been a good guys club in real estate for way too long. Mm -hmm. And I think there's so much value that women bring to the table. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that women need to have more seats and I think women need to be empowered and inspired enough to know that they have it within them to make a difference. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that you do that too with your, um, I'm sure with your agents in your offices, but with your work with the Women's Council of Realtors as well. I know that there's been times in the past where as an independent um, uh, brokerage owner myself, I don't have anybody else in the franchise or anybody to really rely on. And I've always relied on my women's council of realtors family. And you've been there for me in the past too, that I, I really appreciate that. And that says a lot about, about you as a person and. Oh, I'm glad I could it. be there for you. Um, and, and I always look at it as you want to be there for somebody else because there's going to be a time where you need it and that somebody's going to be there for you. Right. Yeah. And, and I just, I mean, my, my husband always asked me, what is your end goal? What do you want to see when you, when you mm. retire? And I'm like, well, I don't know if I'll ever retire fully, but my goal in the next 20 years, I'm 50 years old. My next, my goal in the next 20 years is I want to have a balance of women owning or managing brokerages in the real estate industry. Wow. I want, that, goal, Lori. I want that balance. And there's a lot of organizations out there that are focused on that. It's not just me, a, a single solo person by myself. Um, there, there's the women's council and there's women, women up and NAR wants to see it too. There's education pieces to get your CRB and, and to align yourself, whether it be independent or with a franchise with the person, it's got to feel right. Right. Mm -hmm. It's got to, whatever you're doing has to feel right. You have to know you have that guide on the side. You have the leadership and support behind you, whether it be that you start your own brokerage and you go with uh, the leading. Um, I'm trying to think of that organization for independence. There's mm -hmm. an, there's an organization for them leading real estate brokerages of, of the, of America, I believe it is. Or if you're in a franchise and you have that support system from your franchise, but whatever it is, have that support system, have people who are going to push you out of your comfort zone. Cause if you don't push yourself out of your comfort zone, you're always going to stay in your zone. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I think you and I would agree that a work life balance in real estate is possible. It's just going to look different for everybody. Everybody's work-life balance is different. You know, what you decide to do for yours, Angela, is going to be totally different than what I do for mine. You know, my husband and I, um, we have an agreement. He knows mm -hmm. where I am. I know where he is. He does more of the kids stuff than I do. You know, he does the day-to-day. -day. Uh, Monday through Friday, I'm pretty solid where I'm booked and I'm 
working with the agents or the office or now I'm working with corporate. So I have a corporate position now. So I'm doing more stuff corporately. Um, so I'm really focused on growing others. And it's not that I'm a bad mom or um, that I'm, I'm not a, a um, active mom, but the time that I have where I have my mom hat on, mm -hmm. I'm 100% focused. Yeah. Right. So it goes back to what we talked about earlier. It's that quality. Yep. Do you have work hours? Are there times where you say Monday through Friday, these are the times that I work and I'm off on weekends or it's different no, every week? It's different every okay. week. And you're very good with that. I'm not because I'm not, I'm, I'm somebody, I'll answer my phone all the time to help the agents with contractual questions. Oh yeah, so me I'm, too. I'm, I'm yeah. always doing that. And that you, you're as a broker, you're always going to do that. So yeah. Um. Time has been challenging at times, depending on how the market is. Like right yeah. now, the market is crazy, so I'm working more. Staffing is also a play in a lot of times. If if you're if you lose a staff member or you're training a new staff member, then my hours get get expunged out a little bit longer than normal. But like tonight, for instance, my son has hockey. My husband's taking my son to hockey, and the our littlest, our my daughter's going to come to the office and hang with me. Nice. So I'll, I'll still be working. So it's just that balance, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It sounds like it works for you. It works. And it's going to, your your thing is your thing. Don't ever let anybody tell you that it's the wrong thing to do. Because what works for your family, as long as you guys are supporting each other as a family, both spouse and children, um, or other family members that are helping you if you don't have a spouse. But if you have that system in place and everybody's on the same page, it's it's your page. It's nobody else's. Absolutely. Thank you, Lori. I've yeah, really had a great time with our conversation. And um, I think you're definitely very empowering. So you're doing a good job with your word this year. Thank you. See where it takes you. And I'm very proud of you for doing this. This is an awesome tool and a resource for other women to reach out and and have that support system. Thank you. I hope so. I hope people find value in it. How could they not learning from you? So Thank I you. appreciate it. You as well. All right. All right. Bye. Take care. If you have found value in these episodes, please be sure to share and subscribe. I have so much more in store with guests that I can't wait to learn from.